Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. Uh, we are going to shoot straight to our first story for uh, this afternoon to do with uh, fuel prices and a projection by the World Bank. Well, the World Bank, in its October 2023 commodity market outlook, has, uh, has indicated or uh, warned that the Hamas-Israel conflict could escalate uh, oil prices. It has identified the possibility of oil prices surging beyond $150 a barrel, a scenario that could lead to significant increases in both energy and food prices, reminiscent of the price spikes witnessed a year earlier due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Energy strategist, also CEO of Eureka Solutions, Dr. Isif Suleimana, joins me on Zoom to discuss this. Uh, good afternoon to you. I remember we talked about this a week, uh, some weeks ago when the conflict started. I fear that the prices could hit $100 a barrel for crude oil, but the World Bank is projecting 150 How seriously should we take these concerns from the World Bank? Uh, thank you very much, and good afternoon to you, Daryl, uh, and good afternoon to your uh, viewers in Ghana and across the globe. Uh, thank you for having me once again. Uh, indeed, as, uh, as we rightly mentioned the last time, um, these projections are not out of place, and it is uh, something that uh, policymakers uh, will have to uh, stand by and plan ahead of time. And the reason being that um, if you look at the historical antecedents uh, following Israel and Palestine conflicts, um, what I said the last time, I said with the current, you know, uh, 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 conflict and the way it is, um, if it stays as it is within these brackets, as the usual Hamas, you know, Israel conflict, then we, we're not going to see any impact on on global oil prices at the moment, at this moment. However, I, 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 I did mention the last time that if you should have miscalculations, when I talk about miscalculations, um, it could be unintended consequences where we have escalation that nobody has even expected which will go like, which will translate into a regional conflict. And as we speak now, Darrell, we are gravitating towards that. All regional players are on high alerts. Um, if it turns to Israel-Arab conflict, then that becomes serious. And if you remember, I told you 
um, a situation that happened in the 90, in the 1970s. That was a, a serious situation that we don't want to, to bring ourselves in to think about. What happened then was the fact that it was similar uh, conflicts. In fact, that took uh, regional dimensions where all the Arabs came together and they did what they call a phenomenal oil embargo. Uh, oil embargo means that uh, OPEC guys said they were not going to export oil to the West and oil quickly moved from $3 to $12, almost 300%. And I mentioned that if it just pulls that what we have now, I don't think the global energy community is ready for any oil, for any oil prices in the three digits. Uh, because as we speak now, even oil in the 90s, we are struggling to cope with inflationary pressure. And so, yes, um, Russia, Russia crisis, season is, it, the premium is not fully over. In fact, that's actually accountable for why oil is in the 90s. And if we should have this conflict escalation to proportion that is unimaginable, um, then we're going to have a double warming, and I don't think uh, the global energy community may be ready for that. Tell us, uh, talk to us about the implications should uh, the Israel-Hamas conflict escalate and, and should prices reach $150 a barrel um, as um, the World Bank is projecting. Yeah, that's going to be huge, um, I, especially uh, vulnerable economies like the global sub economies. Uh, the developing nations, Africa, continent, and other developing nations, because we are mostly import-dependent nations. And so we're going to have it in two, uh, in two perspectives. Number one, those who are heavily dependent on oil imports or petroleum product imports, and we have any disruption in the flow from the east to the west, uh, that's going to be huge. And, and pump prices is something that we cannot arrest. And that would translate to inflationary pressures. That's number one point of it. That's the direct impact. Um, the other, the indirect impact, again, um, when this thing happened, and uh, probably because it's a global phenomenon, all economies will put in measures to be able to stem the tide. And if you remember, the Western world, what are called the global north economies, um, they are not going to relent on the effort to stamp, to stamp, I mean, to put, up, to put a cap on inflationary pressures. And what they do is that they will go back to you know, increase in policy rates. And rather, um, when policy rates within these global north economies increases, um, their currencies get strengthened. And when their currencies get strengthened, the direct impact on our own currencies is going to be dire. So that's what I'm saying. These two folds. If um, we have inflationary pressure, going, we're going to be impacted uh, within our pumps. If you have currency, you know, fluctuations in terms of these global north economies, such as U.S. and the European Union, they increase the policy rate, their currencies are going to be strengthened, and that will have a huge impact on our currencies. And you can imagine, mm. if you look at what the consumer pays at the pump, the currency or the exchange rate is a key factor, and then the commodity price is a key factor. So if exchange rates will not work to our favor, and the commodity price will not also work to our favor, I think it's going to be huge. And mm. that, I'll mention one, one other thing. Uh, what the global community may be missing is the fact that this kind of conflict um, could will have impact on a global choke point we call the Strait of Humus. Our Strait of Humus controls about 20%, 20 to 30% of the global hydrocarbon flow from the Middle East to the West. And this area is very critical. And if this conflict escalates, we don't pray that it goes to that extent. But if it escalates, this is controlled by Iran and other players. In fact, it is in between the Middle Eastern countries. So if it escalates and that and that global choke point is blocked, rather it's going to be zero. We, we are just hoping that things shouldn't escalate to this point. But I, I can say that we have 
to we have to be very careful and we have to just ensure we have to just pray that cool, cool heads actually right. will prevail that uh, this conflict will, will come to an end as soon as possible so uh the the world bank in that report recommends that uh policymakers in developing countries take measures to manage the potential increase in headline inflation it also advises against trade restrictions such as export bans on food and fertilizers these measures can often uh, intensify price volatility and heighten food insecurity. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, that, 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 that's factual. And I, I would always say that as much as this uh, global geopolitics are remote, the cascading impact on every local economy would be dire if it, it, it does take, take, uh, take the heavy toll on the economies. And yes, uh, 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 that, I always say that Africa and African continent, Ghana, they say our vulnerability is our ex- excessive dependent on external, I mean, importation of uh, commodities. So what we need to do is that the World Bank is spot on on that. We have, they are just telling us that we have to be self-reliant. And we mentioned it several times. They also mentioned of this trade route. If you look, if you remember the last time, I mentioned the fact that Ghana or uh, Ghana is a host to what we call AFTA. AFTA has been formed for how many years? And I think the impact is not being felt now. So what I would urge is that we have the right conduit, and AFTAC is number one. If you have AFTAC and it works and works very well, then you know trade barriers are broken, trade barriers are similarly, you know, um, trade restrictions are similarly removed. I think it's going to have a lot. For if we begin to trade among ourselves, and um, most of this external impact, we're not going to feel it. And that I, I guess so surprised that. Um, African continent will trade more with external parties than we trade among ourselves. What is wrong with us? I think that's a problem there. We need to look into that. And so, yes, uh, the way out, the credible conduit out of this pragma, whenever it fits, whenever it, it does take hold, the center hold within the global economy, will be to be self-reliant. And we have every opportunity to do that. Let's have refineries. Let's not depend too much on importation. If you have refineries, that will help. If you make use of conduit like after African Development Bank and the rest, I think these are our, our, our best bets. And if we do them and make them work and work, profit, uh, and work well, uh, rather, most of this external impact, we're not going to feel them that much. Dr. Isis Suleiman, thank you so much. Energy strategist, also uh, CEO of Eureka Solutions and energy consultancy firm. I appreciate your time with us. Now, let's turn to air travel. British Airways is ruling out any plan to move all its Heathrow, Accra Heathrow flights to Gatwick following the introduction of the Gatwick Accra Gatwick route three times a week. British Airways in 2021 announced a decision to move flights from the premium Heathrow Airport to Gatwick, a decision that was seriously rejected by the government. There are fears that this new Gatwick operation is part of a grand scheme to return to that plan that was abolished. But in an exclusive interview with Joy Business in London, Chief of Planning and Strategy at British Airways, Neil Alan Chernoff, said there was no such plan on the table. Ultimately, what we were looking to do was to be able to grow our capacity between London and Ghana. Um, And by adding those three additional frequencies, we were able to increase our seats by about 35%. Um, And in fact, we've already announced that in April of next year, we're going to go to four weekly flights instead of three. Um, And so we'll see an additional 55% increase in seat capacity. For us, when we're looking to add routes um, and whatever that destination is, ultimately, we'd look 
look at one, where do we have aircraft available, and is there something unique that we can provide by serving a destination from multiple airports? One of the biggest challenges we've had as we've been recovering from the pandemic was we grounded our 747 fleet. We currently have 12 less long-haul aircraft than we had pre-pandemic, and so often finding aircraft to be able to grow is really challenging for us. One of the advantages that we thought about offering the additional flights from Gatwick was if you actually look at where individuals who are flying to Accra um, to visit friends and family, tourism, business, or individuals from Ghana who are visiting London. Um, there's various parts of London into which those individuals are traveling, and there's actually a large community of people where Gatwick Airport is actually more convenient for them than Heathrow. Mm -hmm. And so I think the benefit of offering that dual airport is, one, the importance of the flight to London allows us to provide some pretty unique connectivity to the United States and Canada. Um, with Gatwick, um, although we do have less connectivity there, we do have a short haul operation there, um, and that can provide connections to more tourist destinations around Europe. And so we think those two offer kind of a balance of choice for, for customers. So I get it right, more of trying to offer connectivity to a lot of Ghanaians who are living in that part of London to connect to, to Accra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, like I said, if you look at kind of various areas where people either originate or may be visiting in London, um, there is a certain part um, and a large group of people who actually Gatwick is a much more convenient airport. Um, and, like, and that is not necessarily, you know, we do that across our network as an example. You know, we offer lots of flights to New York from London, but we also offer a flight from Gatwick because for some individuals that's a more convenient airport. Um, similar thing to Cape Town, similar thing to Las Vegas, to Orlando. And so it is something we do across the system. Let's, let's talk about price. And I know that for you it's about the roots. Uh, price could be uh, another responsibility. But again, what is the price difference? If I'm flying to Heathrow and Gatwick, is there any differential in terms of pricing mm. or it's, it, it's virtually the same? For, for, for some normal passenger, they'll be thinking about, you know, price being a major decision yeah. in taking that decision to fly or not to fly. Yeah. Look, I think price is very dynamic in the market. It depends what other airlines are offering a price and also very dependent on supply and demand. Um, now, it is true that Gatwick as an airport is a less expensive airport in which to fly into. Um, and so the cost that passengers or airlines pay at that airport is much less than Heathrow. Heathrow is one of the most expensive airports in the world. And ultimately, that does end up in the ticket price. Um, you probably would have, or Mauritius recently moved their flight from Heathrow to Gatwick, um, and maybe part of that was, was around that. Um, but one of the other things, too, is that if you look at the aircraft that we fly, um, so we're flying the 350 from Heathrow, and we're flying a 777 from Gatwick. That 777 has more economy seats. Um, it's less premium heavy. And so that should offer kind of more access, particularly for those who are trying to fly into economy, um, better pricing because there'll be more seats in the market for them. So, so I, I get the fact that if someone is flying from Gatwick to Accra, it will be less expensive than flying from Heathrow to Accra. 
Well, I think, like I said, pricing is very dynamic and it depends a bit on demand. Um, but because if you look at the way uh, ultimately what in, and in an airline price is what the airline charges, but then what the airport charges on top of that um, and what the airport charges on top of that is less expensive at Gatwick than at Heathrow. You, you, you mentioned the Air Mauritius moving from Heathrow to Gatwick. For a lot of Ghanaians and for people who are flying from Accra to London, there's a history and they are worried about your plan to offer more options for people who are flying to London. They fear that there could be a future plan where people who are flying from Accra to London will lose the Heathrow route. Mm -hmm. And that's a history. And so how do you diffuse those who are worried about the fact that maybe there is a grand plan in the future that people flying from Accra to London will lose their access to the Heathrow route? Yeah. Look, I can guarantee... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. There is no plan to sort of start the route from, let's say, Gatwick and move the Heathrow route over to Gatwick. Um, we've been flying to Ghana for 86 years. I looked that up recently. Um, and, and look, there, there was a time, this goes back, I believe, two years ago, um, where we looked to move the Heathrow route to Gatwick. Um, and at the time, that was because we were very, very constrained on capacity at Heathrow. Um, and as we were trying to balance how can we utilize our aircraft at Gatwick, utilize our aircraft at Heathrow, um, we had looked at making that move. Um, and one thing that Gatwick tends to work well is if there are more point-to-point -point passengers um, because we do offer less connectivity than Heathrow. All right, uh, we're moving on from there to other stories for you uh, this afternoon. The Bank of Ghana has revealed that more investors have expressed interest in the country's fintech sector due to the tremendous improvement in the fight against money laundering and financing of terrorism. According to the Deputy Director in Charge of Fintech and Innovation um, at the Bank of Ghana, Clarence Blay, the central bank is taking steps to prune down such activities within the fintech space. Figures released by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime have shown that money laundering transactions are estimated to cost economists between $1 to $3 trillion annually, representing 2 to 5% of global GDP. To this end, the central bank says it will continue to intensify its sensitization programs for fintech companies to drive more investors to the sector. 
Clarence Blay is the Deputy Director, Fintech and Innovation Office at the Bank of Ghana. As Ghanaians begin to trust and adopt Fintech solutions to assess financial services, it is important that we weed out potential risks in the space. It doesn't mean that we say the space is full of risks. No, uh, risks is about potential risks in the space. It doesn't mean that we say the space is full of risks. No, uh, risks is to get that discuss issues and uh, take preemptive measures to avert potential risks in the AML CFT pace. A lot of uh, investors also have shown interest. So there's been the many work at hand so that together we can uh, do the job. Uh, we are now systemizing them. In fact, they don't seem to uh, have any. any uh... Due to the tremendous improvement in the fight against money laundering and financing of terrorism. According to the Deputy Director in Charge of Fintech and Innovation um, at the Bank of Ghana, Clarence Blay, the central bank is taking steps to prune down such activities within the fintech space. Figures released by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime have shown that money laundering transactions are estimated to cost economists between $1 to $3 trillion annually, representing 2 to 5% of global GDP. To this end, the central bank says it will continue to intensify its sensitization programs for fintech companies to drive more investors to the sector. Clarence Blay is the deputy director of fintech and innovation office at the Bank of Ghana. As Ghanaians begin to trust and adopt fintech solutions to assess financial services, it is important that we weed out potential risks in the space. It doesn't mean that we say the space is full of risks. No, uh, risks is about potential risks in the space. It doesn't mean that we say the space is full of risks. No, uh, risks is to get that discuss issues and uh, take preemptive measures to avert potential risks in the AML CFT pace. A lot of uh, investors also have shown interest. So there's been the many work at hand so that together we can uh, do the job. Uh, we are now systemizing them. In fact, they don't seem to uh, have any, any uh, much idea when it comes to AML uh, CFT. So uh, we are now systemizing them. And, and this is the maiden meeting. And uh, like I said, it's not going to be uh, the first time. In fact, we keep meeting them. Yeah, to ensure that they have grip over the AML safety issues. The workshop brought together various players within the fintech sector. Now, green tech, uh, green startups have been entreated to position themselves to attract funds from financial institutions, according to Deputy Operations Manager for Green Tech Forum. There is a lot of um, challenge with regards to getting funding for such businesses. Many often um, the applied gets unnoticed, you know, because a lot of um, funding organisations are quite often focused on other projects rather than um, when it comes to farming or it comes to recycling and things like that. And so we are hoping that this event will throw more light on the fact that um, the earth is ours. This is where we live, and any innovation technology that people have developed, you know, that is helping us to have a better ecosystem to live in should um, be giving the attention and possibly even getting the support to get funding for their business or initiative. Um, positioning, I'll say, that um, the organization being able to position themselves to attract 
and the right type of funding. So in terms of um, documentation, in terms of branding, you know, and um, getting them informed about how they can well align their initiative business organizations such that they are able to attract the needed support. Now, the Department of Animal Science at the University of Ghana has commenced a trial on the adaptability and growth performance of some five dual-purpose chicken breeds under the former management systems. The project DAPT, the Tropical Poultry Genetic Solution, is a two-year uh, genetics innovation strategy that seeks to test and identify high-producing farmer-preferred chicken genotypes. The initiative aims at reducing poverty while strengthening food and nutrient security for rural households. Here's more in this report. Despite Ghana's poultry industry suffering varied setbacks in recent years, the demand for poultry products is on ascendancy. Reports suggest about 80% of local poultry keepers depend on indigenous scavenging chickens, which have low meat and egg-producing potential. Under the Tropical Poultry Genetic Solution Project, the Department of Animal Science, University of Ghana, is experimenting with new poultry breed for higher production performance. Ricky Abajipoku is a deputy project lead the performance of these local indigenous chickens are quite poor in terms of productivity small body weight give you fewer eggs uh, even though they are adaptive to the environment so there was the need to research into how best we can improve these breeds, local breeds blend them with some of the commercial and then get good performing birds but when you do those engineering, you need to do some trial on field because uh, you've done the engineering all right, but it might not necessarily work on the field, you understand. So there was a need for us to do this field trial to see the adaptiveness of these new breeds that we are bringing on board. The new breeds are a hybrid of exotic and indigenous poultry species reared for both meats and eggs. Dr. Rafael Ayizanga is with the Department of Animal Science, UG. Uh, we are going to try Sasso, Noela, Habad 1, Habad 2, and then Kuroila, which, uh, so the first phase we had Habad, which we mixed up, and then Kuroila. This time we are adding uh, three more, the Sasso, the Noela, and uh, we are going to separate the uh, Habad into Habad 1 and 2. We are trying all these lines, God have been tried elsewhere and found to they have increased body weight. Uh, weight at maturity has been much bigger than what we had. And then they are also laying more eggs. And we thought this one will give our farmers more money. What we have now, they are adapted more to our low input systems. Therefore, they don't give us as much as we, we, we want. And we want to move away from, uh, as I said earlier, farming as a way of life to farming as a business or a model for poverty alleviation. Ashanti Regional Livestock Officer Ajman Prempo Fori is upbeat about the project's benefits for the region. With this intermediate base, the little feed you give, the little care you give, it is also giving you the maximum yield you want. So they are one, resilient to diseases, they can scavenge for feed, and the little feed you can support it with, you get your results. So coming into the middle of the local chicken and the foreign chicken, I think this 
of course, is going to help our local farmers uh, make a headway in production. A beneficiary of the first phase, Comforty Champoma, a poultry farmer at Achim Ejampoma, explains the project has improved her livelihood. It wasn't easy initially, but I was able to make profits to invest into the business. I have more birds for sale in December. The trial is expected to be conducted across seven regions under three. It's been a while we did this. Um, up next, your money tip on Money Lab. Hello and welcome to Money Lab. My name is Kofi Poli, Chief Operations Officer of People's Pension Trusts. We are continuing our pension tidbits on Money Lab. In our last episode, we looked at how two types of pensions. Today, we are going to look at reasons for having a pension plan. In fact, we are being told that by 2050, one in every five persons will be 60 years and above in developing countries. It is also a known fact that life expectancy is going up. And therefore, there's a need for us to plan our life beyond our working life. And this is why we need to look at income security in our old age. And that's how camp pension fits in. We'll continue with our reasons in our next episode. Thank you for being with us. Right, get up to date on the late, day's latest stories on myjoyonline.com forward slash business. There you go. Bailout package, IMF Executive Board to meet in third week of November. That's according to the finance minister, myjoyonline.com forward slash business. We are back same time tomorrow. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.